Hey there, creatives. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I am really excited to bring this next series um, to the show. It's going to be a special series dedicated to speaking with different uh, people, different therapists uh, involved in the Expressive Therapy Summit. If you've never heard of the Expressive Therapy Summit, it is an intermodal um, international conference uh, that really is dedicated to experiential learning and um, brings together all of the different disciplines in the world of therapy. There are social workers, there's art therapists, dance therapists, music therapists, play therapists, any kind of therapist really imaginable, and everybody sharing their experiential knowledge and hands-on learning um, activities. And it's a really wonderful event. And usually it's four days um, in the fall in New York City. And there is an LA component, which happens in the spring. Um, in this fall, I am interviewing probably, I would say eight to 10 people um, that are either directly involved in the summit or are going to be presenting on their uh, topic of um, expertise. And um, we'll be learning about their clinical practices um, and what they'll be teaching at the event. And so you'll get kind of a snapshot and hopefully in each conversation that we have, um, the, the key takeaways will relate to the work of creating something out of nothing, which is kind of the object of um, bringing your practice to life or creating that therapeutic tool, writing a book, whatever it is that as a therapist you're passionate about and want to bring to life. And that's really the focus of the Creative Psychotherapist podcast show. Um, in the first episode, I am interviewing Barry Cohen, who is the summit leader. And um, Barry's also an art therapist and a former art therapy educator. He also is the creator of the Diagnostic Drawing Series, which is uh, an art therapy assessment tool. Um, and in our conversation, we'll be talking about how the summit came to be. And you'll also hear a little bit about um, some of the roles that I've played um, over the years because I've been involved in the summit um, since the beginning. And it's something that I'm really passionate about and love. And I think part of being involved in the summit really allowed me to move in the direction that I'm in currently. I don't know if I would be here um, at this point without having participated in the summit and developing it and bringing it to life, sharing it with other people. I was very involved as the social media marketing person uh, for the event for many, many years until um, Laura Bader took over that a couple of years ago for me because I just got too busy with my practice. But I'm hoping that you're going to really enjoy the conversations uh, that we have. And um, so, yeah. So this is going to be the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit special series. Let us know what you think. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi.
thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. I'm very excited to welcome my next guest to the show today. Her name is Nancy Gershman, and she is an LMSW, a psychotherapist and the developer of Dreamscaping, an imaginal and photo-based approach to treating grief and loss, supported by the way memories are encoded in the brain. Dreamscaping uses resourcing, felt sense memory, rescripting, and mental simulations to shift the focus from what do you miss to what gives you joy. After a decade of dreamscaping with the bereaved as a memory artist, Nancy was featured for her work with end-of-life families at VNSNY Haven Hospice as New York One's New Yorker of the Week, and that was in 2016. In 2020, Rutledge published Prescriptive Memories in Grief and Loss, The Art of Dreamscaping, co-authored with Barbara E. Thompson. Nancy's additional publications include case studies in Robert A. Niemeyer's Techniques of Grief, Grief Therapy and the Annals of American Psychotherapy with Jenna Badley. She has been the host of the Death Cafe New York City since 2013. Welcome, Nancy. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this topic for a variety of reasons. One, I love the, um, I love the way you're reframing the topic of grief to um, shift one out of that, um, the sadness, but into the love that still is present with the memory. Um, but two, you're doing it through the arts process and um, for those folks who may not be familiar with your work, um, what exactly is dreamscaping? How does that process work? Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I, can I actually speak to some of the things that you just said right before that? Sure, yeah. There were some interesting things you said. Um, you know, it probably is a little bit of a surprise that a clinical social worker, you know, is, is working with photography uh, and in particular personal photographs, uh, early ones, and ones that may be sort of calcified with loss. And, um, and because usually it was anathema, you know, for psychotherapists to be working in, in the medium you know, of, of, of art or any kind of therapeutic art making um, because there was a, a boundary there. And what I wanted to say is that I probably would not have created dreamscaping uh, had I gone to the School of Social Work first because I came out of it as a digital artist. Uh, I um, taught myself Photoshop and I realized that I can create a seamless reality in that medium and that there was a, quite a bit of of healing if you could take a person to um to do the restoring but then also actually make it into a tangible mm -hmm. a tangible photograph so dreamscaping is essentially creating the memory that your client needs at that at that moment in time and doing it in such a way that there is a new learning or there is some discovery of a novelty in the past, which you hadn't even noticed before. And, uh, and that is also what launches the memory reconsolidation, at least what we understand of it, that if there is a particularly distressing memory, long-term memory, it will update that um, with the new memory, which is, you know, joyful, pleasurable, um, inspiring, you know, any number of, of positive things. Uh, again, had I gone to school first, I would have been taught uh, to follow the trail of the loss-saturated narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, because it, it is considered lightweight, uh, generally, to go after happy memories. Because first, we want to acknowledge um, the arousal, the negative arousal from some type of distressing event. 
in dreamscaping, you do do that, but you don't do it um, for a prolonged period of time. You literally do it for minutes. Um, uh, you know, maybe you devote the first uh, 10 minutes of the, of the interview process talking about that uh, so that you, you, you're, uh, uh, you're acknowledging that you understand why they're here, why they're sitting across from you, um, that it is a case of sudden death or, um, or anticipated grief or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. But not enough so that they get dysregulated. Right that they get stuck there, that you're able right. to move forward into this other direction. Yeah, and it is, a, it is like a big, you know, 360 degrees, because then you're saying, what we're going to do is we're actually going to, uh, we're going to excavate all these positive memories you have about the relationship with the deceased person, um, or even just uh, the, most, uh, the most precious memories that you have viscerally uh, from your childhood because we're going to use that, those as building blocks okay. to build this new memory, this new prescriptive memory. So do you have um, assignments that you provide to clients of how they're supposed to um, work with the new prescriptive memory? It's a really good art therapy question. <laughs> right. Yes, what's interesting is that uh, the homework really would come in the final stage when you're making that prescriptive memory tangible. And that's when uh, you know, the client says, well, I'd really like to collaborate with you. Can you help me find the images I need uh, to create this piece? Um, or uh, let's do it in parallel. Uh, you do you you do what you think would really work for me, and I'm going to do what I really think would work, and then we're going to meet and uh, and process that together. So there there's quite a quite a few different options there. Uh, but the so what happens? Is there a homework or assignment? No, it it, it actually happens. Dreamscaping happens all within two sessions. That's the shocking part. It's it's oh, an wow. agile, it's a it's a tool. So it's not um, it, it's it basically is a way to switch things up with a client who maybe you've had for a length of time and you feel that um, there's no real shift that their logic and reasoning is just too you know uh, it's just you know very tightly held on to and. Um, the way you can create a, a good shift in individuals is when you speak in the language of the emotional brain. Mm. And that would be symbolism, metaphors, uh, imagery, right? Mm. Um, and, um, and so what, what happens is you're creating a memory that on the surface looks like, okay, you know, this is a still of a movie and something is happening in this movie. Um, but if we look at it uh, on subsequent dates, we're going to have different interpretations because maybe we embed some symbols in there uh, that represent um, I was a Mormon, you know, uh, like like grandma was, you know, or, or whatever it is, or um, we really like uh, cooking gingerbread cookies together, or whatever it is. So, uh, so it's a symbol that represents a day or a belief or, or whatever it is. So we do, we, we, um, do this exploration, this interview intake slash brainstorming session in one session that, believe it or not, and this also would be anathema to almost anything that you hear in school, uh, it's about one hour long. In okay. one hour, I can find out uh, what the trauma was, little or big. Um, we, I can find out what the positive memories are. I can see whether um, they even have any positive memories or whether they're um, just co-opting somebody else's, which isn't their own. And that, all, that, that is uh, actually very insightful. Yeah. And, and um, yes, and, and, and so you're fleshing out um, these, these memories, these building blocks. And then the brainstorming part of it is, well, how where where's the sweet spot where will all of these different things meet together so that we can put it in one 
in one image. So first the prescriptive memory is just here in the mind, and then, and then uh, if they choose to, we make it tangible because if they've been isolating, then they can uh, upload it to social media sure. and create some conversation. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So brainstorming, you identified the prescriptive memory. The second session is creating the visual of right. the prescriptive memory. And I obviously before the interview, I had gone to your website and, and was looking up and you have just like this huge gallery of examples of these beautiful photo montages. Um, most of them, what I noticed is that they, they all seemed quite like small, containable, about what, do you work in a specific size or does the client? I do, I, it's really out of habit. I, I do eight by 10. Okay. Um, and sometimes, um, you know, they'll choose to have a blow up of that. So it either becomes smaller or it might uh, become one, one blow up, uh, which they choose to use. And, um, and then that is, that could be just a reminder of, of either the steps they need to take. Like for example, I, I work sometimes with the eating disorder population and uh, you know that if they don't get enough sleep, then that triggers, um, you know, that triggers some appetite, suppressing behavior or whatever it is, right. So that's interesting. I did see too that um, that you're using this approach not not just with um, the way for for most people would think about grief as a loss of uh, another person or a pet or um, somebody important in their lives, but we're, you're working um, under the larger concept of uh, oh. different aspects of grief, metaphorical and um, tangible um, and, and different life changes. And so I'm curious as to, you know, what would spur on utilizing this approach with these other different populations that you work with and how that differs from, say, maybe working with somebody who is experiencing a child loss or a parent loss or something? Um, well, when, when I was speaking earlier about eating disorder, the eating disorder population, they're disconnected from joy. They just have forgotten how to feel it. And, and if you think about it, this happens also, um, you know, happens in loss, right? Um, uh, there's no future to crow about uh, because um, for, the, for the person who has an eating disorder, they're basically uh, just constantly ruminating about what the next meal is or binge or purge, um, but, they, but there's no joy in it. It's just a joyless task. Uh, the loss of a marriage, the loss, um, you know, the loss of um, your confidant in the family. Um, all of these things are, the, you know, those were just such pleasurable moments. How am I ever going to get those back again? Mm -hmm. um, what, what can possibly be my, my source of it? And they realize that it resides already here. The, the, you know, they can resource their own, uh, right, their own memories. And, um, and if uh, the right ones are, uh, if we make a composite out of the right ones, it can be a really powerful uh, forging of those, of those mm -hmm. memories. Hey, are you ready to gain clarity for your vision and draft actionable steps to achieve the outcomes you desire for your practice? We at the Creative Clinicians Corner are now offering professional consultation services that help creative therapists organize the ideas spinning in their minds into a strategic map to launch and scale their private practices so you can breathe with ease and confidence and take the action you need to achieve the practice of your dreams. Nothing is insurmountable and knowing your path to success will only inspire you to push through all the roadblocks and you don't have to do it alone. 
visit us at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com and see the really affordable packages we have for you right now. So did, we, I, add, did I answer your question? I so think so. Happened? Yes, I think, I think so. Um, especially kind of the, the speaking to the lack of joy, right? And that that's part of this process is reconnecting people with finding um, a memory about joy and um, building that relationship with that connection so that they can start to feel it in their body more. And, um, you know, that starts to build some momentum in a different direction than when we're just sitting in our sadness. Um, and then I, giving people who are also sort of speechless, you know, they, they, they feel like they haven't had anything positive to say about anything, right? Yeah. Um, they make very incremental progress. Um, you know, they, with a complicated grief at first, you know, just getting out of bed and uh, getting dressed. And then the next stage, um, you know, picking up the phone and actually talking to people. So that's where the art part is really important. It, yeah. It's really critical because it it it, it uh, then gets them out of their uh, out of their space and taking a little bit more risk, um, and that's that's how they can finally brag again about the the thing that they lost, but in a good way, and not in a in a you know in that uh, in that sad ruminating way, lament you know the like a lamenting way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand there's value in, um, in that first part of going through the grief process. Um, the pain that people feel when they're grieving is um, because they're, they've been disconnected from a sense of love um, for a person or something that they've had in their life. And um, depending upon the, the grief process, um, that can be very, very sad. And um, so the, the first part might be a little bit of lamenting, but when they're stuck there, it's that sense of, okay, I'm noticing somebody's stuck, that we need to give them a little push in this other direction so that they can reinvest and get through the cycle and reinvest in life again. Um, how long is jumpstart? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Jump start. To jump start. Yeah, really. And that's why it can be short, because then you can return uh, to whatever, uh, you know, work you were doing, art therapy, psychotherapy, and, uh, and pick up from there. So would you utilize this process multiple times with the same client, like working on different um, memories or associations? Certainly. I mean, clients come back for touch-ups. Uh, they might come back even when I say touch up, I'm not talking about touch up to the dreamscape, but I'm talking about there might be a new a loss in their life, lo a loss of a job, and that triggers uh, earlier losses. Um, but um, oh, what was my dream thought? Uh, something about, oh, yeah, returning. There also can be before that. Uh, a return to the dreamscape. For example, um, I remember when I was working at visiting nurse service and uh, the client, um, uh, she found out that her aunt had come and rummaged through her, her mother's possessions and it deeply upset her. And she, the aunt mm -hmm. was an integral part of the dreamscape. And, um, and so she asked me to remove her. And that was uh, that's what's easy about digital art, uh, because you can just, you know, delete a layer. And I, I basically moved a, um, a bird in front of the, the, you know, the other face. So it was no longer beyond space. Couldn't be seen. It was obscured. Wow. Okay. So all of it, it's totally digital. You're able to edit, add, or remove things if they need an adjustment in the prescriptive memory. Can I tell you a very funny example? Just a quick one because it yeah. comes to mind. Um, it, so sometimes these dreamscapes are made for indiv individuals, uh, actual patients uh, in a hospice, okay? It could be home hospice or 
um, you know, or a 25-bed facility like the one where I work. And um, so it looks like you're, you're ostensibly, you know, doing it for the patient. But in fact, it's the, you know, once they die, then uh, the family members have it. And um, another, uh, another family member was the daughter. She said, um, you know, I know that my mother wanted this eagle uh, you know, resting on her arm, but really what should be there is a glass of wine, <laughs> not the eagle. And, you know, if it's possible, uh, you know, could you, could you basically uh, update it and, and make it more about the here and now? Because uh, my mother was basically full of shit. <laughs> you know, that was, that's what's happening there. But, you know, that happens too. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So it's becomes a uh, generational um, yes. memory in, in that way as well. Right. Right. Very cool. So how often would you say the client um, does their own digital artwork? I, I would, I, you mean per, per case, I think they would do it just once and and uh, I, I haven't I think not enough time has passed because it's not even 20 years yet that I've been doing it I think I figured it was 16 years uh, so I, I don't know the client um, my clients just haven't come back as often but I think that in certain populations um, especially with younger children or like teens Mm -hmm. I think that there would be uh, a lot more developmental growth and therefore I think that there would be needs, you know, to, uh, to constantly make a new, a new fresh dreamscape to align with their developmental progress. Yeah, that makes sense, right? As we move into different stages, we start to have a different understanding of the past and those past relationships and things. So yeah, okay. Um, I, I was thinking more in terms of like when you're working with the clients and you said it's a digital, it's a digital process and you're, um, not always. Not not always. always. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So in, in, um, when I wrote this book with uh, Barbara Thompson, what we wanted to do is we wanted to go to art therapists, social workers, psychologists, and we wanted, um, we wanted to see what the photo based, uh, what the photo-based product would look like in the end. And, and there was a whole variance. The, there was an art therapist who created a shrine with, uh, you know, with photos strategically placed on that shrine. Uh, there was a, a combination of a doll created out of remnants of fabric uh, that represented the client. And she wanted to put it right uh, strategically in this sort of map, collage map, I think one could call it, which the art therapist and her therapist did together. Uh, so um, the, all three of them worked essentially on that together. And then there's me who, who you know, did some uh, digital versions. And I am pretty sure that there will be other variations, you know, on this. Um, I would love to see animations, you know, done with, uh, with layers. I think uh, that would yeah. be fascinating. Like taking the digital layers and then animating them would be fantastic. Because sometimes you'll have a whole series of photographs taken from a period of time. And it could be quite moving, uh, emotionally moving, to look at um, the nuance in, in their uh, expressions as it changes over these quick, you know, successive photographs that were snapped. Mm, and they might see really a novelty there, you know, something they hadn't noticed before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, in my, I'm like in my mind now kind of imagining that process and what that could potentially look like and how, um, yeah. how really powerful that could be for the client to have that recording um to go back and revisit with uh, very cool yeah so i guess i was thinking that um that it was all done digitally but it can no. it certainly can be people can't do it and that was my my thinking i was like well if a lot of people don't know how to do photoshop it's so complicated 
Um, there's so many different oh, uh, bells yeah. and whistles. So how do you teach that to yeah. your client to get it done in a, in a session? But um, no, they can do it with the uh, three-dimensional materials. Yeah, they can do it three-dimensional materials. Um, you know, I was just talking to somebody today. I was talking, right, to, um, uh, to my supervisor. We were saying, oh, my God, there's no magazines anymore, hardly. You know, uh, so, you know, certain younger clients uh, can get onto Flickr or Google with me, mm -hmm. and we can look for, uh, you know, certain objects, uh, what I would call uh, stand-in photographs, you know, uh, let's say, you know, a can of tuna fish is important to this, uh, this dreamscape in some sense, then we would look online for exactly that brand uh, and, uh, and I could print it, you know, and, and make it available. Or, I, or they could move my hand. They could say, move it to the left, move it to the right. Um, I mean, through telehealth, uh, there are even ways to do it that way. Oh, that's, that's really a cool idea. Yeah. So you're not in your office, you can't do collage physically, but there are still ways of doing it digitally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had one client send, I'm not kidding, no less than 20 photos through text. Uh, and you know, that's, that's uh, right. That's how I collected them. With the images that I saw on your website, uh, they, um, how many, you know, for a client who sends 20 images, what of that ends up in the final product? Because the, how do you condense the content of, they're just, uh, yeah. No, because they're not, they're all variations on, um, on that, uh, that grandmother at around the age 30. So we're trying to find, we're trying to find the expression and body language that will fit the prescriptive memory, which is the grandmother at a time before this grandson was even born. And this is what actually, oh, I don't want to give it all away because this is, um, uh, this is a case I'm going to show in the summit, but okay. it is kind of interesting. I'll just give a little bit of a teaser. Um, you know, a, a prescriptive memory was created and it was uh, at a time where the grandson hadn't been born. And, and so it, it, we had to give her a certain uniform, I won't say of what. Uh, and so we were just looking, uh, you know, how would her face have to look in order to uh, be in that role in that prescriptive memory. And so then they just hunt for that. And sometimes we take a body here and we take a face here and an arm over here and, you know, uh, just string them all together. Ah, okay. All right. That's making a little bit more sense. <laughs> so they, that becomes part of the so collage process. Yeah. Yeah. So I get, I guess yes. I'm like trying to synthesize yes. like, okay, like how, how are they going about doing all that? Um, but that makes sense. So it becomes the, the photographs that the clients bring in of their life or their family um, also can become um, cut after. out. Mm -hmm. So, so instead of bringing the photographs to the session, you have to have that, that interview and brainstorming session to know what photographs to bring. It's a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, opposite the usual process, right? Mm-hmm. Because you want them to be do, very do you know specific. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, right. like, well, they want. They need to be. So you. Yeah. Want so they can introduce me to grandma and say, "Hi, this is grandma." And uh, but 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 actually the. Um, the, the memory, if it's made, tan the prescriptive memory, if it's made tangible, uh, we are looking for sp specific photographs. And that is not hard because I've never had um, a, a client ever say to me, oh, I have no idea where to look. They immediately already have the picture in mind because oh, that one somehow, um, yeah, was particularly precious for them. 
and uh, it was it was when that that there was a true happiness caught in a candid moment, you know, or or you know, liberated expression, freedom, whatever it is. And there were so few photographs like that, but that one captured it. That's interesting too, to think about that it, people already know which ones they're gonna use. Um, all right, very cool. So what's the um, title of your session gonna be at the summit? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, gonna read it right here. Prescriptive memory, liberating joy and strength from lost saturated imagery. Hmm. What a beautiful title. Yeah. And so if somebody were to attend your session, um, would they then be able to take that technique and apply that with their clients? Would they have all of the knowledge necessary to replicate your process? Rena, what, uh, what I decided to do this time that I didn't do in 2016 is give much more time to the way one probes uh, and excavates those memories. So a lot more time uh, with the interview questions and then how, how does brainstorming happen? Mm -hmm. and, um, and then what we'll do is we'll do pairs uh, with an observer. Uh, we'll have... Uh, We'll have one attendee, you know, um, play the role of therapist, one plays client, and the observer will, uh, will be very, very um, important to this in, in uh, showing what might not have been caught at that moment, in, you know, in speech, maybe some little, uh, little detail. Um, and, uh, and then they will they'll switch again, and, and uh, they'll switch roles. And I think it will give them enough practice so that they'll know, they'll know exactly what kind of um, dreamscape they would like for themselves. So, you know, the prescriptive memory will be formed in each of these pairings. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I'm gonna have a drawing at the end uh, and the lucky winner will, uh, I'll make a, a dreamscape for them uh, or with them uh, if, uh, if that's something that they'd like to do. How fun. But yeah. they will know what to do. They'll know how to put that art together because that's not the most difficult part. Uh, you know, actually assembling it. Um, oh, it's yeah. What's hard, and 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 also what's important is you need to leave time for that client to live with their dreamscape to see how they're using it, and and um, you know, for for the um, eating disorder client, we used to make. Uh, dreamscapes that were small enough to put in your wallet uh, oh, wow. so that when they were having lunch you know if they were students in a cafeteria um, you know they would pull it out and it would remind them uh, of you know whatever the food groups they would need to to eat or whatever whatever was um, an important insight made in uh, in therapy so it could be the reminder of the of the therapist uh, it could be something like what we talked about, just um, uh, some wish, uh, wish fulfillment. Um, uh, there are sometimes complicated relationships and, and um, we would like to just see what our relationship would have looked like had XYZ happened, you know, and we could enjoy each other's company. Sure. Um, yeah. I like that idea of having it um, small enough that it can fit in your wallet so that you can have access to it as a, a reminder. Um, yeah. Right. Well, as if it gives you a dose, you know, a dose of joy uh, in, in some sense or a, do or a dose of, you know, or a direction of what to do. Right. To reconnect with that feeling. Mm -hmm. Which that I think that is a really challenging thing for most humans to do uh, is to say, I can decide to feel joyful just for the feeling of feeling joyful and not to have like a certain condition meant so or, or, or made. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, 
for the most part, a lot of us wait for a condition to occur in order to feel something, right? Especially in terms of working with clients where they get oh, stuck, right? Yeah. Like, well, this has to happen in order to, for me to feel better when we all have the ability to feel joy whenever we want to feel joy just for simply remembering those times when we have felt it before yeah. and relishing that experience um, versus chasing conditions to create the joy right that's just uh, uh i love i absolutely love that you said this because it's it's Right now, they have a name for it. It's compassion-focused therapy, but it's really giving yourself permission, right? And and also tapping, you know, uh, emotional freedom technique. What is that? It is really just a way to get your logical, uh, you know, your logical brain offline, so that you allow yourself the few seconds or minutes. Uh, to give yourself permission to let it go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's so interesting. It's like, even though I'm feeling all, all this, you know, just, I'm feeling so distraught and I can't make my heart, uh, you know, come back into my chest and whatever it is. Um, today, I can give myself some joy. Mm -hmm. Today, I can choose to return to that memory and just, you know, bathe in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah thank you that's so important it really is and i think it's uh, it's one of the things in therapy that is often very difficult to help the client to connect with that concept you know because there's just so many reasons to feel not that <laughs> and those well, are le legitimate Right, they're legitimate. I'm sorry, I, I was jumping in because I think it might also be attachment styles. They're trained for God knows how many years um, with their upbringing, you know, and their caregivers, oh, yeah. right, to not, uh, not allow themselves. Um, That's so true. We're, we're conditioned yeah. for so many things. Um, so many and, reasons. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything else about the process of dreamscaping that you'd like to share with listeners uh, that we haven't talked about yet today? Thank you for asking that. I think that um, if there are any art therapists out there that are dying to make art with their clients, you know, I think that this is um, a wonderful opportunity to do so in a way that is legitimate. I mean, it is legitimate therapeutic art making, but it's okay, you know, for the therapist, um, you know, to collaborate. I mean, it's a real co-creation. Mm. And, um, and also a, a synergy, even if they work totally separate, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful synergistic way for both to be creative, art therapist and client. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and that is definitely different. Um, you know, most art therapists wouldn't be creating the art um, for the client, but in this in this way, there's a purpose for it and a, a real clinical rationale um, that supports the client. So that's that is interesting. Thanks for sharing that part. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I would say is humor. Humor and black humor uh, in particular, you know, it, it has a real important place in loss. It's, it's what builds resilience, but also just in terms of cognitive neuroscience, it's humor um, where we often find the novelty which launches memory reconsolidation. So it's, mm. it's a very, very important tool. Um, it, it's important to, um, you know, to create the, a safe environment in which to have a laugh or two about the darkest thing, you know, that they could possibly think about. Um, and it's not to make light of the situation, but to realize, 
oh my God, this is, this is almost so horrible that what else can you do? But, um, you know, realize the irony of that or, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think there's, I think that's really important. And this is a great place to exercise it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, last year, my mom died and, it, it was it was tough and I mean I'm still grieving in so many ways and but humor is is a real important part and I, I remember my siblings and I like at the the, the grave mm -hmm. site you know like and we were laughing and and um, just about something that she would say um, but she would say well soon I'm gonna take my dirt nap which <laughs> is <laughs> Really, what like what is that? What is that? Her dirt nap is when she's buried in the dirt and she's no longer here. So, like this was like something that we all heard her say, and we'd be like, "Come on, Ma, don't don't talk like that," you know. But once we're all there, that part of that humor, that levity, um, just shifted the mood of that day and away because we were celebrating her humor um, about this process which was inevitable and um, and yeah so just it was a it's joyful like, moment <laughs> it's almost like you you know how they have emotional intelligence I, I almost feel like there's another kind of intelligence that your mother had which is I don't know what the word would be, Raina, but uh, you know, dirt nap is so clever. And, and it's almost like you couldn't appreciate it. You couldn't appreciate that IQ at the time, right? And then, oh. <laughs> and then it's brilliant. It's like the most brilliant thing you've ever heard. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially in that moment at the time that, you know, we were burying her, um, that, you know, oh. it just, that connection of um, those memories, the the laughter is important, and um, and it's possible to find joy even in the saddest yeah. and most difficult of moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for telling me about that. Oh yeah. Well, this topic. Oh, was... <laughs> <laughs> it's close to your heart. It is. And well, I, want, I want people to know that if they, if they can't attend the session, uh, that they, sh they could look at the book on Amazon uh, mm -hmm. that I've written because there's an actual protocol in there uh, that they can use and get a sense for it. Yes. And there's a, there's a number of chapters on different subjects that we're talking about, end of life, uh, bereavement, uh, on humor, and, um, and all of those you know, might be, uh, might be something that they're looking for. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, just to review the book that you're referencing is, uh, called prescriptive memories and grief and loss, the art of dreamscaping, which we'll put that in our show notes on the, in the resources section, we'll put your book there. Mm -hmm. Um, where can people learn more about you and um, and your practice? On my website, um, there is actually um, a, a great sort of experienced dreamscaping page that will take you through some actual cases and show you um, uh, the kinds of things that were uncovered in uh, in the interview. The break brainstorming that happened and subsequently what the client uh, discovered, you know, it's sort of a postscript. So, um, awesome. and then they can also look at the gallery, the same one that you looked at, and they can really go quite granularly, like pet loss, um, you know, memorial, um, eating disorders, all different variety of, um, of healing, of healing dreamscapes that were made for different populations. That's wonderful. I think that this process has so much um, value. Uh, even if we, we omitted the grief aspect of it, but 
like changing your narrative to find the joy that exists and is there for you. Um, that is, it's just so hopeful. And I think, you know, for most mm -hmm. of the clients, no matter what they're going through, they're just really in need of reconnecting with that sense of hope from within. So, yeah. Raina, that, that is it. That's it. I mean, it's, that's right at the center of it. Um, I think that people sense hope through the imagination. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a beautiful uh, on-being session. Uh, remember Krista Tippett? I'm going to talk about that in my session, but there was some connection between hope and imagination there that was very interesting. Mm, I, I can see that. I think everything lies in our imagination. That's where we create everything, you know, all of our scripts and stories and perspectives. So um, just as we can imagine ourselves into a catastrophe because something didn't go well, we can imagine ourselves into um, success because that thing didn't go well by looking at it from a different perspective. Well, it didn't go well because it needed not to go well because you needed to feel uncomfortable so that you could recognize that you're not on the right path and move over here into what your right path is. You know, there's a, that different perspective of looking at things, but it happens all in the imagination. So, anyway. Yeah, that's right. Another way to look at bad luck. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank, Thank you, you so much for, for being here. And we'll put the book and the website and the resources. And um, for folks that are really interested in Nancy's work, make sure to sign up for her session at the upcoming summit if you haven't already. Um, so thanks again, Nancy. Thanks for listening to the final episode of the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit special series on the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversations with these creative therapists from all over the country share about their expertise and specializations and the topics that they're going to be teaching at the 2020 New York City Expressive Therapies Summit Conference. Of course, this year the conference is offered online. So no matter where you are listening from, you can access the conference proceedings. And the best part is you can sign up for one session, you can sign up for one day, or you could sign up for multiple days. And there are offerings on several weekends through the month of November, 2020. If you're listening to this after it's passed, that's okay. Stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have another Voices from the Summit series for the 2021 event. And we'll have the opportunity to talk with other creative arts therapists about their specialties and their practices. And you can sign up for that event. I appreciate you listening to each week and stay creative, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.